0: You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.redwoodbaptist.org. We pray and hope that the message that you are about to listen to will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. And I'm thankful for the fact that Jesus was enough for their family. And uh, what a great, great testimony uh, as to uh, the power of the Lord. Take your Bibles, please. Turn to the 42nd Psalm. Psalm 42. Looking forward to next week sharing some of the outreach opportunities that we as a church will have in this year, as uh, well as some calendar events that you. I would really ask for you to put them down on your calendar, to, to the best of your ability, to try to plan around those. Uh, definitely, our forty-fifth anniversary, where we're uh, flying Dwight Tomlinson and his wife over from China uh, to uh, celebrate what God has uh, done in this and through this ministry and through the Word of God uh, over these forty-five over these forty-five years. Well, I'm going to. Uh, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit dovetails things together and how we held that story for uh, this morning's morning's message, I am going to to do my best to uh, try to help us here this morning. The title of the message is entitled, Faith During the Darkness. Faith During the Darkness. Now here's what I want to do before we read this text, I want all of us to put our defense mechanisms that we naturally have when we come into church down. I want you to not so much worry about the time. It's not an extremely lengthy message. Amen? It's really not, but don't worry about the time. Don't worry about what you have going on later. Instead, I want you to ask the Lord in your heart, just in the, the real quickness of a moment, God, would you speak to me? Because here's what I know. If you and I will be open and honest with this text, and open and honest with the message that I will try to articulate in a way that uh, God has crafted upon my heart, if we were honest, all of us would have to admit we are either in or we have gone through times of spiritual darkness. And so this morning's message is entitled to, uh, to help you maybe start the process of maybe getting out or to acknowledge that this is going to be a lifelong battle of just renewed realities in your life. Uh, but don't make the mistake of thinking that this is for a Ron Rosales. Maybe you've never been involved in any type of witchcraft or anything like that and but listen to me darkness spiritual darkness spiritual depressions are a reality and many in this room are in one or have just come out of one or you're getting ready to go in one I don't mean to be a prophet in any way for you this morning but just allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that I have begged him to do uh, in our in our lives here this morning we'll begin reading in verse number one of the 42nd psalm as the heart panteth after the water brooks that is as the deer we I had Mike we sang that song as the deer panteth for the water as the as the deer panteth after the water brooks so panteth my soul after thee O God my soul thirsteth for God for the living God when shall I come and appear before God my tears have been my meat Day and night, while they continually say unto me, "Where is thy God?" And let let verse three sink in. My tears have been my meat. Here's what that means: My tears have been my my food. They've been my it's been my sustenance. They're just running down. And my, I I can't eat. I'm my, my tears. I'm crying. And you know what they're saying to me? Where is my God? Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I've gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept the holy day. I'm doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing. Verse 5, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the day of His countenance. He's trying to, he's trying to stir up his own soul. Hope in God. Let's jump down to verse 8. Yet the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night His song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my youth. I will say unto my rock, Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? So those questions of the realities of God are not only coming from within as you're weeping, they're also coming from without the enemies. Verse number 11, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Let's go to the Lord one more time as I, as I try to preach faith during the darkness. Father, we thank You, Lord, for God, this, this text, for this chapter. Lord, I pray that as we look into it, as we ponder the, the graphic images of this text, that Lord, we would see our hope in these pages. God, I pray that we would, that we would battle this darkness. I pray that we would battle the depressions that we go through. And God, whether it is a clinically depression where it needs medication or simply a, a, a spiritual just darkness that is in our soul and in our mind, Lord, I pray that we would, I pray that we would see the light. I pray that in the daylight, that that your, your loving kindness, that you are shining forth in the daytime that we would see it. And God will give you the glory for everything that you will do as we advance into this faith in the darkness. And Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but it tends to be a lot easier to smile in the light. But how do you and what do you do when the night comes? And it will come. If you're in one now, you can acknowledge it or if you've been one, if you've been in one in the recently, it's fresh to you. If it's been maybe a few seasons for you, there is one coming. What will you do in the night, in the darkness? What do you do when trouble comes? When you're completely unprepared for it? When you do not understand what is being brought into your path? What do you do in those moments? What do you do when it seems like God is distant? When it seems like the heavens are just brass, every single thing you pray just seems to bounce off the ceiling. What do you do when you feel alone? When you feel under attack? What do you do when it's like no one when it seems like no one knows and no one understands? Psalm 42 is a psalm of a spiritual struggle. It is a psalm of the wrestling of the soul. It is an honest and, per, uh, and, and uh, provocative psalm. Perhaps it's in the Bible to unsettle you and to unsettle me. Perhaps it is there to alert us of the life of faith is not always a celebration. That it's not always a time of, uh, of great joy. But there is a time of sorrow. The life of faith can be like that. My friends, this is a part of the Christian walk. Theologians believe that this psalm was written during the Babylonian captivity, where it literally had been completely separated from Jerusalem, had been separated from the temple, had been separated from the presence of God. You and I live in the New Covenant, praise God, where, the, where His presence through His Spirit goes everywhere believers go and he's in the world but back in the back in the old testament in the old covenant there was the, the there was the temple and they would go and they would have the high priest would go behind the veil to be among that presence and they were completely removed from that in captivity there's much of that language here in this chapter this psalm is filled with graphic images the deer is it's parched he's running through the bushes looking for some kind of brook, looking for some kind of stream, maybe even a muddy puddle just to just to quench its thirst. With every step, it's getting weaker and weaker and weaker. This is a picture of the strong emotion that you do not want to eat. When your tears, when you're crying so much that those are literally your Your food because you can't eat. It's the picture here in this text. The waves of grief just keep rolling and rolling over you. You get a minute of relief. You get a respite. You get excited. Ah, there's the daylight. And boom, there's another wave. Do you know what I'm talking about? Provocative images are abundant in this chapter. I don't know about you, but sometimes I wish Psalm 42 wasn't in the Bible. But it is. It's a picture of being spiritually dry. It is a picture of feeling, hear what I'm about to say, feeling shut out by God. It is a picture of of not knowing where relief is going to come from. It's not even knowing the questions to ask, let alone having any answers to your life. These are emotions that you and I cannot escape from. Maybe you're sitting there this morning thinking this cannot happen in the life of a believer. This has to be outside of Christianity. When you read this chapter of this uh, this person crying out, where are you, God? That this is definitely not a believer. I want to take a moment to read something to you from R.C. Sproul. It's a very length, this is not a pattern that I normally do, where I read something very, very long, but I believe that it can bring great help to us here this morning. Would you please listen with open ears? Sproul in in The Dark Night of the Soul says this, this phenomenon describes a malady that the greatest of Christians have suffered from time to time. It was the malady that provoked David to soak his pillow with tears. It was the situation that earned Jeremiah the nickname, the weeping prophet. It was the condition that so afflicted Martin Luther that his melancholy threatened to destroy him. This is no ordinary fit of depression. It is a depression that is linked to a crisis of faith. A crisis that comes when one senses the absence of God or gives credence to a feeling of abandonment by Him. Spiritual depression is real and it can be acute. We ask how a person of faith could experience such spiritual lows. But whatever provokes it does not take away from its reality. Our faith is not a constant action. It is mobile. It is... is, Um, it vacillates. We move from faith to faith. In between, we may have periods of doubt when we cry, Lord, I believe, help Thou my unbelief. We may also think that the dark night of the soul is something completely incompatible with the fruit of the Spirit. Not only that of faith, but that also of joy. Once the Holy Spirit has flooded our hearts with a joy unspeakable, how can there be room in that chamber for such darkness? Sproul goes on to say, it is important for us to make a distinction between the spiritual fruit of joy and the cultural concept of happiness. Let me say that again. It is important for us to make a distinction between the spiritual fruit of joy and the cultural concept of happiness. A Christian can have joy in his heart while there is still spiritual depression in his head. The joy that we have sustains us through the dark nights. And it is not quenched by spiritual depression. The joy of the Christian is one that survives all downturns in life. In writing to the Corinthians in his second letter, Paul commends to his readers the importance of preaching and of communicating the Gospel to such like people. But in the midst of that, he reminds the church that the treasure we have from God is a treasure that is not contained in the vessels of gold and silver, but in what the Apostle calls jars of clay. For this reason, he says, that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The passage that Sproul's references indicates the limits of depressions that you and I actually can experience. Uh, the depression may be profound, but it's but it's not permanent. It is it's not fatal in and of itself. That doesn't mean that we won't we won't take the hands of fatality into our own hands. But that depression itself, for the believer, what what Sproul's is saying is, and he's kind of. Alluding to what Paul was saying that it's not fatal. and So I want us to notice the, the text that uh, Sproul's references here in Second Corinthians 4, verse 8, "...for we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed." Those are all powerful images that describe the conflict the christians must endure but in every place that he describes this phenomenon he also describes that it is a time that has its limits he says hey hey you're going to be you're going to be afflicted in your life but you're not going to be crushed you're going to be you're going to be perplexed there's going to be there's going to be times where you have no clue why things are going on in your life but you're not going to be in despair you're going to be persecuted but you're never going to be forsaken. You're going to be cast down, but you're not going to be destroyed. And I want you to, want you to hear this next statement. I want, you to, I want you to let it sit in. Sink in. The presence of faith gives no or guarantee of the absence of spiritual struggle. The presence of faith, can I put it this way? You being a believer, you being a Christian, does not guarantee that you and I are not going to have spiritual struggles in our life. Actually, the Bible teaches the exact opposite. That you are going to struggle. That it is going to be a grind. That you are going to have darkness. There's going to be times when you don't know what's going on. There's going to be times where you feel like you're being so pressed down by the world that you're going to think, God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why is this situation coming to my home? Why have you allowed this on my job? Why have you allowed this in, with my health? And all along... You're going to be tempted to blame God. And through it all, you're going to have to see that God, yes, was behind it. Yes, was sovereign. Yes, understood and knows, but He's using it for, this is tough, for your good and His glory. However, the dark night of the soul is real. I don't mean to diminish that in your life in any way. But it will give way to the brightness of the noonday light of the presence of God. What will you do or what have you done when the dark night of the soul comes? I want us to look for a moment at verse 8 because I I think there's wonderful instruction for us on how to respond to these hard moments, to respond to the, the graphic of the deer that is so parched, that is wandering and looking for water, to uh, to respond to the times where you're just where, where you can't stop crying, where someone will ask you, this has happened recently, where where someone will ask you, what's wrong, and you can't even explain it, and the person you're trying to explain it to, they're looking at you like. Okay? And you're just crying, and you're crying, and it's your, it's your meat, it's your food, so to speak. It's just right now. What do we do in those types of situations? What do we do when we're saying, hey God, are you are you there? Where your mind is saying that, where, where the enemies are coming along and saying, Where is your God? What do we do? When we're facing the unthinkable, when we feel like we are separated from God, look at verse number eight. Yet the Lord Will command His loving kindness in the what? Daytime. I don't know about you, but things don't really shine brightly during the daytime. How many of you ever been to Las Vegas at during the day? Have you ever been there? And have you ever been at night? Big difference, right? They don't waste all of that electricity. They don't waste all those lights during the day. I mean, maybe like a few of them, but I mean, all the bright Like, Listen, they don't do that. Why? Because it's not effect Yet, God is going to command. God is going to shine His loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, His song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. One of the most important things to do in those moments of darkness is to remember the things that you've learned in the light. It is easy when darkness comes to think that somehow God has changed. It's easy when things become dark. It's easy to revert back to somehow he has, He's changed. God, you, you, Your promises aren't there for me. Somehow, God has is, God is moved. Envision being on a bright day. You're going out there. The sun is shining. You walk into your house and you go down into your basement with no windows, and you don't turn on the light, guess what? It's going to be pitch black dark down there. Don't you ever in that moment say, there's no light. The light is gone. No, it's not. Your circumstance just changed. Your reality in that moment just changed a little bit. But the light is still there. And that's what happens in our in our in our depressions, in our in our times of, of darkness. We get to the place where we say, Hey, God, wh- where are you? There's no lights. You've moved, you've changed, you've 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 forsaken me. You've given up on me. God, I'm I'm one of your children. I'm, I'm a believer. What the psalmist does here is. He reminds Himself of something that is awesome. He reminds Himself of the surety and the stability and the faithfulness of the covenant love of the Lord. His loving kindness to you forever. His mercy and His love ever moving for you. I love Psalm 119. I'll be honest with you, we should make it a friend to us. Christians ought to make Psalm one nineteen as your friend. Let's begin in verse number one up on the screen. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for He is good, because His mercy endureth forever. Let Israel not now say that His mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that His mercy endureth forever. And it just goes on and on and on. Man, it's forever. His love, His mercy, His grace. Forever, and you and I, we need to remind ourselves of that when we go into the basements of life and it's dark. Back in our text, the Lord commands His steadfast love. It's a metaphor. It's a it's a military image. We see in verse number eight. Yet the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime. That is the great captain of love. The great God of mercy and grace, He's commanding His love to invade the lives of His people. To invade the lives of His children. The great Redeemer commands His affection to march toward into our hearts and invade us with the reality of His covenant love. That is the picture that the psalmist is trying to give us here. And that army, listen, that army's never going to stop marching. It's forever and ever and ever. It's never going to stop marching until every single one of our hearts. Now ultimately, this is of course when we go to glory until our hearts have been just completely renewed and we're going to be enraptured in understanding of that love. But right now, it's seeking you in, 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 in your in your spiritual depressions, in your darkness. Listen, His loving kindness. He's coming to you this morning. He's. I'm praying that He's using my voice here this morning over the next 15, 10, 10 minutes or so to conclude this message, that He's saying, hey, I love you. I've not forsaken you. You're not alone. The situation isn't too dark. I'm here. I'm marching. I'm I'm commanding my love to come knock on your heart. Say, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. We see also in the text, that the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His songs shall be with me. Now, I'm not sure why, and nor can I explain it, but often when you're going through a tough time, the physical night seems to be worse. When the lights actually go out and you're left to your mind. Right? You're there, whether you're sitting on a couch, whatever. The the, the sun goes down And it seems like our mind becomes even more troubled once the physical daylight goes away. And this is a wonderful encouragement here in this text. At night, his song is with me. What an important thing to do to sing the songs of redemption. To sing in the face of the night. Listen to me. When you're in the darkness, light the candle of praise. Light it. They, or the, the psalmist says in multiple occasions here, I will praise the Lord. You look at the very last verse in that chapter. I will praise the Lord. I will. I will. Light the candle of praise. Begin to praise God. Begin to turn your situation in your mind that is only looking at the negative. Man, how easy is that? Man, it so happens in my life. And determine, no, I am going to begin to sing this song that God has given me in the light. Light drives darkness away. That is the purpose. Listen to songs like, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Listen to songs like, It is well with my soul. Listen to the song that so many of you in here love. The Good, Good Father. Listen to songs like, How Deep the Father's Love me minister to yourself in song can I get on like a 30 second to a minute soapbox here why do you think we sing in church why do you think we try to teach you a new song every once in a while because that new song if you're honest and you're open, and you're not like, oh, I'm gonna test it for a couple months, see if I really like it. Hey, don't get mad at me. Teach you a new song, why? Because it makes you ponder it again. I think at the end of the song, at the end of the, at the end of the service, I think we're gonna sing, "Victory in Jesus." Now listen, it's a great song. Some of us, we can sing that puppy backwards. We're going to be thinking about lunch. Actually, I don't know what lunch is today. I think it's a roast beef. Oh, hallelujah. So I'm going to be like, checked out versus victory in Jesus. But you know where I wasn't checked out? Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Oh, that, I'm not going to sing anymore for you. That got on the internet. Stay. Why? It's a new song. It makes you ponder. I am not in any way diminishing the victory in Jesus. We, 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 we have blended worship here. That was more than a minute. Sorry. Sing to yourself. Light the candle of praise when the darkness comes. Well, I just, I just don't listen to music. Start. Well, you know, start. Get yourself some electronic of some kind. Literally, you can just, in the deepest of moments, maybe when you're lying there in bed and you can't talk to your spouse because they don't understand, and you just start playing some music. Maybe not too loud so they can stay asleep. Put on some earbuds and light the candle of praise. You want to know why? Because God wants to sing to you in the night. God wants to sing to you in the night. God wants to strengthen your faith in the night. Oh, I'm going to, in the brightest, in, 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 the, in, the, in the most amazing way I can say it, I'm going to shine my love forth. It's going to be so strong you can see it in the daytime. Oh, and then when the nights do go down, I'm going to sing to you. Let's move on through through that verse. And my prayer unto the God of my life. One of the amazing promises of Scripture is that the Lord is attentive to the cries of His people. Praise God that He never turns a deaf ear to us. The promise that the Lord of heaven and earth invites us into His presence. To bring our cries before Him. That simply amazes me. That God would want to hear from Ryan in the middle of the night. That is more than just a habit of prayer. Mike and I talked a little bit about that this week. This is reminding myself that I have access to God. It is access to the ultimate source of wisdom. To the ultimate source of power. To the ultimate source of grace. Access to the God that rules everything. Which, by the way, is your situation by the way, which is your health, which is your relationship, which is whatever Satan is using in this present world, which by the way, he's extremely powerful in, to keep you spiritually depressed. Whatever that is, you and I, we've got to realize that God rules that. And you have access to Him. No matter how weak the cry is, no matter how riddled with doubt it may be, no matter how faint it is, He hears. What do you do in the darkness? Do you grab a hold of a sturdy, available covenant love that is found in Jesus Christ that does not waver on your performance? Hallelujah for that. Because I wonder how you did the last seven days. It's not, it, 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 it doesn't waver on you. It doesn't waver on how you glowingly come through things. No, it is a sturdy, steadfast, covenant love that is found in Christ. And I praise God for that. Do you grab a hold of that in the darkness? Do you envision the armies of God's love invading your darkness? Do you light the candle of praise to drive away the darkness? Do you remember the awesome reality of your access to the King of Kings and to God? Now listen to me. This isn't just a simple fix. This isn't just a one-time three one-time thing. Go through some of those things. All right, I'm going to access his love. I'm going to uh, I'm going to, I got access to him. I'm going to I'm going to sing a song. And the reason why we know that is because of verse number 9. I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgiven me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Wait a minute. Verse number eight, yet the Lord will command. I mean, he's preaching to himself, and yet he's still going to say, all right, you're going to struggle. Tomorrow, you might need this message. The following day, you might need this chapter. I'm not going to be able to remember the message. I get that. but Man, wear out Psalm 42. Don't wish it isn't in the Bible. Wear it out. Study it. Read it. Look at it. Because there's hope. Because the God of glory and grace will not abandon us. And He will draw you again and again to Himself. And the light of His face will shine brightly upon you once more. Now as I close, maybe you're sitting here thinking, well Ryan, that was a nice hope-filled message. But you don't understand my situation. You don't understand what I'm going through. And I was, That was nice, Ryan, but, but, but you, don't know, you don't know what's going on in my family. You don't know what's going on in my health. God, uh, Ryan, you don't know what's going on in my bank account. This couldn't possibly be for me. This couldn't possibly be for my family. Well, I'd like to say to you, I think this is a gloriously hopeful psalm. And there are a couple reasons why. The first reason why I believe this is a gloriously hopeful psalm is because it is in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Praise God this is in the Bible. Because you know what God is doing? God is letting you know, I get your struggle. God is saying, hey, I understand your experience. Listen, if God wanted to just keep all of this nastiness away from us, He wouldn't have allowed it to come into His Word. He wouldn't have allowed David to be so real and so raw about his emotion. Listen, you want, I want Redwood to be a place? I want Redwood to be a place where you know what? You can have a week of weak faith and you're still loved and accepted, and we try to strengthen you that next week. To where you can struggle a little bit where your marriage can be a little rocky, where your children don't have to be perfect, and this isn't a place where we are, I don't understand that. Instead, we realize, wow. Me too. Can iron sharpen iron? Can we bear one another's burdens? God allowed this in Scripture to say, I understand. I understand the wrestle of faith you have on this side of eternity. I understand sometimes that life is a fight that's being fought in sheer darkness. God is saying, I want you to know that I understand. The life of faith is sometimes lived in the light. Ooh, we like those times. But also sometimes in the darkness. Yes, it's in the Bible. But I think far more importantly than that, Secondly, this psalm is the narrative of the Lord Jesus Christ. On the cross, Jesus said, I thirst. Jesus was parched. Jesus was alone. Jesus, in his his humanity, was weak, he was broken. No doubt his mind might have gone back to the to the days earlier when everyone would have been saying hosanna hosanna. And now all his ears hear and say you've saved others save yourself. Where's your god? Who are you? And as Jesus was bearing your sin, and as he was bearing my sin, he echoed similarly to what the psalmist was saying in the psalm. And he says, My God, my God, forsaken me. He was doing it for you. And he was doing it for me. Christian, Jesus went through everything on the cross so that God would never turn His back on you. Jesus went through all that so that God would never forsake you. Jesus endured the shame. Jesus endured the mocking. Jesus endured the spitting. Jesus endured the beating. Jesus endured the most illegal accusations and trial this world has ever had. So you can live in peace. So you can be given the gift of the Holy Spirit so that deep down inside His fruit of faith, His fruit of joy would far surpass a present, current circumstance. This psalm reminds me that in the dark night there is hope. Because there is Jesus. Jesus, my friend, is my hope. And it is my prayer that God will take this message, stem that into our new series that we will start next week from the book of Mark entitled, Jesus. Your hope and mine. Let's pray.